Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Voices of the Lit Quad podcast with me, Ben Ayton, Cameron Smart and Joe Thomas. And we are delighted to be here to talk about the Watford 2-1 home defeat to Huddersfield Town. Um, got you, only joking, dreading this one. Um, Going to treat it like a therapy session though, because it's terrible being a Watford fan again lately. It's uh, really poor, especially with the news that broke after the game yesterday. Is it is it true? Is it happening? We'll discuss it all a bit further on um, into the game, into the game, into the podcast. I've started brilliantly, so this is going to go really well tonight. I'll, I'll I'll pass it on from me now. Cam, how are you doing, mate? You looking forward to tonight? No, I'm not looking forward to tonight. To be honest, I think there's a much needed therapy session though. So, yeah, looking forward to getting into it. I guess. Uh, yeah, but how about yourself? Better than yeah, me? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, went to a game yesterday. Came away feeling ten times worse. Um, yeah, I'm. Really I am bad. looking forward to talking about it tonight, just to get it out there. I do always feel better ranting about Watford Football Club, and boy, we've got it in in tonight. Um, Joe, how are you doing, mate? Are you looking forward tonight as well? Yeah, it's going to be fun, isn't it? Dissecting yesterday's game first of all, and then yeah, lots to talk about. Um, and yeah, I've just seen Mark Schofield just, what are you lot smiling at? <laughs> yeah, there isn't a lot to be smiling at at the moment, is there? It's, I think you've got to laugh or you'll cry. Um, so I think that's why I'm smirking so much. Honestly, nothing's happened before we came on air. We were just talking about what we're going to do with the show tonight. But um, yeah, I think it's the case of having to smile and laugh about the situation, what they find themselves in, or you will be just crying um mike pops up with a comment as well roy Keane's tailor-made <laughs> army we'll get into all of that later on basically with the talk of val potentially leaving we was having a bit of a laugh around yesterday saying who would want to come in and mike ridiculously said roy Keane. um i said i'd rather roy proper from coronation street um <laughs> i don't think that was and- him having a laugh i think that's his genuine suggestion and that really worries me well he put a voice note in of him actually singing roy Keane's tailor-made army so Mike, Mike's on board for that. Um, a couple of suggestions for Paul Lintz as well. We'll, well. we won't mention who, um, Cam. Um, but we'll we'll move on to the, the team news. Um, so we, we're going to have to start at the very beginning. Um, two o'clock yesterday afternoon, team news came out and Emmanuel Dennis got his first start for Watford since his return back to Vicarage Road. Um, Cam, what did you make of that starting lineup? And obviously relieved that Emmanuel Dennis was leading the line. Yeah, it's what we've all been waiting for. I mean, we couldn't watch another game of a certain number nine up front. 
so yeah brilliant to have Dennis in and and was really looking forward to see what he could do one obvious elephant in the room sort of the name on everyone's lips for the last three weeks where is he Ryan Andrews why is he on the bench no one knows I mean two right backs on the bench and Delhi Bashir is still at right back I it it beats me and obviously also we've got um Matty Pollock starting at right centre back I I think um was Porteous still suspended for this one he was wasn't he yeah. but um his last game yeah but Sierra clearly not getting a look in over Pollock which uh, uh credit to Pollock because he he's not done a terrible job when he's come in but yeah not looking good for Fran and yeah, elsewhere we had that decision to make on the wings, didn't we, with uh, Matthias Martins or Ken Semmer. He stuck with Ken Semmer. And yeah, other than that, you know, quite a strong team, I thought, and, and one that should certainly be um, doing quite well at home to a relegation candidate, I would have thought. Yeah, um, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I, I, I did joke Friday afternoon, Cam, when you put in the WhatsApp group saying, oh, Ngaki is back. And I said, oh, fantastic. So that's Tom Delhi right back and Andrews and um, Ngaki was on the bench. And I was only joking around. I wasn't actually, actually thinking Val was going to take me seriously on that. Um, but fool me. Um, Cam, what did you think of, uh, not Cam, Joe, I'm having a nightmare. Joe, <laughs> what did you make of that starting lineup? Yeah, I was just shocked to, to see Andrews and Ngakia both sitting on the bench yesterday. I mean, there, there's, I, I know, Captain, you've said a lot about what Val likes at that right-back position um, and uh, uh, and what he wants from, from that position and to get out, get out of a player. But when you've got two right-backs in your squad, I don't know, I, I, I can't for the life of me understand why he's been hell-bent on starting Tom Dedebashir there over Andrews. I mean, when um, when Andrews, uh, I think it was what October. When was it he got suspended? I think after he come back, yeah, he suspended in the way. Yeah, after he got back from his suspension, then he was obviously mixing it up, wasn't he? And he was kind of resting people and giving uh, because there were so many gangs, he was giving another person a chance and resting people. But he's just persisting now with Tom Dede Bashiru there and, and not giving Andrews a chance. And I just, I, I, honestly, you know, I think Ryan Andrews done such a good job. Obviously, we spoke earlier on other podcasts that he got a lot of flack, didn't he, from some of the games that he came in. He, he came in in some really tough games and didn't really get an opportunity to shine against maybe a team that wasn't as great in the league. Um, but yeah, I just, other than that, I mean, looking at starting lineup, delighted to see Kembe back in the midfield. Um, I actually was a little bit surprised Kone started yesterday. I would have liked to have seen Chad Vakatsi start in that midfield, have Livermore, Chad Vakatsi and Kombe in, in that three. But other than that, yeah, I was quite happy with a starting lineup. Can I just um, make an observation about Valerian Ishmael and, and Ryan Andrews and their little debacle that's going on? Um, Valerian Ishmael has been saying for weeks, Andrews isn't in the team because he needs a rest. Okay, that's fine. I mean, it's a bit of a long rest, but that's fine. He said post-match today he wasn't in the team for tactical reasons. And I get that you want a midfielder there, sort of, that, that can do the midfield bits and, you know, keep us ticking on the ball and carry us forward. But you're sacrificing the right-back part of the role entirely. And I think that's why Jeremy and Gakia will uh, break back into the team before Ryan Andrews does, because he can sort of do the midfield bits and the right-back bits and it sort of makes him perfect for, for Val, but um, 
it's just really you know you've got to have your priorities in order and and ultimately you need a right back that can defend and isn't going to get bullied and and I think what they can do on the ball comes secondary to that yeah and I, I think since Ryan Andrews has maybe came out to the of the team, I think we've really struggled down that right hand side on an attacking sense. Um, no one's overlapping Yasser Espria. You don't see Tom Deddy bombing forward to give him that option because Yasser always likes cutting inside on onto his um, left foot, um, and he hasn't got that option with um, Tom Deddy overlapping him. So I, I just think, yeah, okay, he might add as in an extra midfielder when we've got the ball, but. You're taking away that right back position, and I think we look very vulnerable when he does that. Um, but like I said last week, it's okay to criticise Val without wanting him sacked. Um, so this is us being critical of him um, for this evening. Uh, lots of comments in the chat already. So thank you, everyone, for watching. Um, make sure you hit that like button and the subscribe button as well. I'm just going to read through a couple of the comments already. Um, Mark Schofield said it was absolute joke regarding Andrews and the Delhi situation, which we were just spoken about. Uh, Philip Crouch says Lewis was very poor again and would, would much rather see Morris given a chance. Offer uh, Lewis offers absolutely nothing. Um, Mike, evening, Mike. Um, we've got Philip and Schofield in here again tonight, so thank God I'm not on. I think they're relieved as well, especially Mark. Um, I don't think he wants to be called the other one um but yeah thank you everyone for your comments so far um but cam it, it was a poor start from watford yesterday they had a whole week's worth of training probably working on the training ground on like patterns of play maybe tactical um situations but it, it was non-existent in that first 15 minutes that was so poor um Ken Semmer almost gifted them a goal as well, playing the ball across the back line. Um, and Bergzorg got onto the end of it and had a shot on the edge of the box. But luckily, Matty Pollock got in the way and it deflected wide for a corner. But again, we're starting games so slowly and sloppy. And that's probably the worst I've seen us start all season. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. I think we were absolutely terrible. And they've been banging on for ages how you know we, we're not having enough prep time well you've had enough prep time this week and you've not started the game at all it's it was really really poor Huddersfield were were cutting through us like butter they were having shots on target with ease we can get out our half and it felt like every other pass was was just completely completely wrong and yeah I, I couldn't believe what I was watching at times and I could feel the rookery around me sort of you know, growing more and more discontent as the first sort of 15 minutes went on until until we were full time, uh, full on booing every other pass, really, because every pass was going back to Ben Hamer and and then he'd try and get it forwards and it comes straight back to him. And it was really, really tough to watch. And sadly, it's that's how it's been for weeks. We just do not start games at all. And yeah, um, really really disappointing and i'd agree with what mark schofield has just put there worst first half performance so far this season and yeah really really terrible showing it it, it was awful um booing after 15 minutes like you say when i was trying to pass it out from the back but what for fans was just annoyed it's like you're at home you, you're meant to be putting Huddersfield onto the back foot, but we we couldn't deal with their intensity, could we? Can they they were pinning us back? They looked really good, considering they got a new head coach. They obviously had had a point to prove and wanted to make an impression on their new gaffer. But he, he looked like he's had a pre-season with them. The way they started yesterday and executing game plans. 
Yeah, look, they they looked like a really well-drilled team in attack. They what I noticed about Huddersfield is they passed the ball with intent. When when they got to the edge of our box, they were, you know, passing and moving and and they were easily working opportunities to have shots on target. So yeah, I I mean it's it's the exact opposite of what this Watford team is, really. We're just slow and, and we don't really pass with any intensity. We don't we don't really move to follow up the pass. We don't we don't have any kind of patterns in attack. And it's another criticism of, of Valerian Ishmael, really, because I'd like to see us have a bit more about us in possession and and you know try try and make something happen, really, because we got the players to do it. But I don't feel like they they're quite having they're not quite being facilitated how they how they might want to be. So yeah, just really disappointing. And Huddersfield, who've, who've had their manager for what three weeks now, they they look a hundred times better coach than we do. Less than that, even Cam. It's only about a week and a half, two weeks. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's it's really disappointing to see. No, definitely. I don't know about you as well. I was really impressed with uh, Radoni in the midfield for Huddersfield. He was everywhere yesterday. He ran the show. Um, Radoni or Alex um, Gordon or uh, Claire Baldin, they all look the same. Um, but I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, Joe, with fans booing after 15 minutes yesterday, is that a signal that fans are not pleased with the style of play? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's fairly evident that people are just getting a bit sick and tired of, of of the same turgid rubbish every week at the moment. I think it's um, yeah, it's it's a really tough watch, isn't it? Um, at the moment, I mean, over the last few weeks, I think I think we've been lucky. Um, obviously, we had Rotherham last week. You know, they're the worst team in the division, and we only I know Mike touched on this in the um, in our in our WhatsApp chat in the week saying that someone said we were the worst team there. And obviously, a couple of us said, no, surely can't be. And then obviously, you'd said, Ben, that, you know, possibly that is the case because of how we're playing at the moment. Based on yesterday, I'd probably say that we probably are the worst team that's probably gone there all season. Um, yeah, something, something's something got to change and, and, and fast. I mean, listen, obviously, I know we're going to talk about the manager later, but if he's not the manager, then, you know, it, something needs to happen within that team very, very quick. No, I agree. And Cam, it was maybe a ten, 10 minutes later after the booing started, a double substitution um, by Val. Um, 26 minutes gone. Ismail Kone off, Edo Kienbi off, on Tom Ince and Georgie Chapadaski. Kone went straight down the tunnel when he came off. He, he didn't look best pleased when his number um, was put up onto the... Um, the officials board he just stood there with his arms down the side going what me um but to be fair i, I thought we got run over the park i thought and anyone could have been subbed off at that pit point and maybe val wanted to insert a bit more energy and a bit more intensity and that's why he opted for ints and chat but what was your thoughts on the double substitution well look i thought it was completely justified and I actually thought I wouldn't be shocked if we make a double change here because this is just lifeless. Of what we were watching, it was so poor. And Ishmael Kone in particular, I thought that was a really complacent performance from him. Sluggish for me as well. Yeah, really sluggish. And and dare I say, quite lazy, I thought at times. Yeah. He um he looked like he'd sort of started believing his own hype and, and he's 
you know, he he thinks he's the finished article. That's what it looked like to me. And I, I thought he was really poor with the ball. I I didn't see too much of him off it. And there were there were two passes he made sort of across our defence, as most of our passes are. But they were just really complacent passes. And both of them put Matty Pollock in all kinds of danger. So, yeah, no surprise to see him dragged off. I, I thought that was a really disappointing performance. And, and hopefully yeah. being dragged off reminds him that he's not quite there yet and he still needs a bit of work. So, yeah, fingers Bring, crossed. Brings him down to earth a little bit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fingers crossed that, that has that effect. Um, as for Edo Kayembe, I thought he looked like the Edo Kayembe of old, really. The the one um, the one we're so used to seeing, you know, in front of that defence, just giving the ball away for fun, uh, being miles behind play. And look, that's not entirely his fault. He's just come back from a, a lengthy injury. He he didn't quite look sharp enough, but there were just some moments where he, he really lacked the quality that we needed. And I thought bringing on Georgie Chakratadze, no-brainer, lots of energy, lots of quality with the ball could drive us forward. Um, Tom Ince may be a controversial one. I Again, he, he sort of buzzes around. He gets a lot of work done. But I also think he'd he'd use the ball a bit better than Kone and Kayembe. He, he's not the flashy player, but he, he's someone who, you know, you can sort of trust with the ball to use it well. And I think we needed to do a lot better at keeping the ball. So, yeah, a smart couple of subs for me. And I did think it, it livened us up ever so slightly. Yeah, it did liven us up. Um, Edo Kiemi was on a yellow card as well. Um, he tripped the Huddersfield, um, I think maybe Radoni, he was he was um, attacking the edge of our box and he, he clipped him and it was right on the edge of the box. Huddersfield was claiming it was inside the box, but um, it was just outside the referee, Dean. But again, maybe he's not ready to come back, Joe, Edo Kiemi. Maybe we've rushed him back a bit too soon and and that's why we, we saw a, maybe a, a below-par performance by Edo Kiembe. Yeah, I think um, I think due to maybe some poor performances over the last few weeks, I think it maybe pushed Bow into a bit of a decision yesterday, uh, one that perhaps he didn't want to make. I think, in hindsight, had things gone a bit better yesterday, they'd probably given him an hour yesterday uh, to, to get him back into the, to the starting eleven. But obviously, as it was, it, you know, it turned out to be a pretty... Um, a, pretty poor 26 minutes for him and um, like you say he was slow behind play giving the ball away and just it, it wasn't the KMB like performance that we'd seen in that what five weeks leading up to him getting injured so yeah I mean that that one seems fully, fully justified at, at the time for me. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Philip Crouch says Val should have left it till half time. He said he could have changed any of the eleven, and that is not going to make the manager's position any better. Cam, do you think he gambled with that double substitution yesterday? Do you feel like he had to change it immediately because if he didn't, we was going to go behind, and that would have been more of an uphill struggle to try and get ourselves back into the game. I thought he had to make a statement and. And that's what he did. You know, Kone regarded as one of our best players. He's certainly been very, very good over the last few weeks. But he, he dragged him off. And it, it it just goes to show that, you know, any of you could could come off here, even even a Spreer, even who You've got to book your ideas up or you're coming off. And I, I thought we needed those subs immediately because we, 
we were only going one way. Only one team was going to score in that half, and Huddersfield was sort of peppering our goal at one point before those changes. So, yeah, really needed to be done immediately. And it, it was that midfield area where I thought we needed to be livened up as well. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with Val on this one. But maybe you need to start getting the team right from the off. And this is what um, Joe was saying last week in the comments. Um, he was basically saying that Valve doesn't pretty much know his starting eleven, And I think maybe this maybe indicates it a bit, Joe. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I've been thinking it for the last couple of months. I mean, there's just so many changes, people coming in and out. And as I said, like he makes that double or triple substitution on the hour every week. You know, I know it's like to give people a rest and, and stuff. And he likes to obviously mix it up. But I genuinely think it's more because he doesn't know who he wants to start with, who he's going to, you know, uh, yeah. There's just something not quite right about that for me. Like, I, I haven't actually looked to see how many times he started with the same team. Um, consecutively, I can pretty much probably say once or twice maybe it's been the same team that started the following game when he's actually stuck with a, a, a side. But yeah, I think he needs to sort that out first and foremost for me. I mean, it, it, he's got a he, he's got a no by now, hasn't he? We're we're coming up to the end of February. He looks at these players every day in training. He must know, right? This person's going to be best in this position this person's going to do best in that position i can get this person doing this from the from the back and i can play this way with this person here and it just doesn't seem to be he just doesn't seem to have a clue yeah he, he has struggled with that lately um i think if he knew his best 11 i think it would help us out massively and like you said last week we wouldn't have to be making all these two three changes that on the 60th minute or or yesterday with a double substitution so early on but like like cam says i think that's a, a a signal of him showing a bit of an intent and authority and showing he's not afraid to make changes if he has got it wrong and i, I do applaud val for that um I, it, it must take balls to make a double substitution after 26 minutes um so i, I do give him credit for that uh mark schofield says having um, both instant check in midfield with the aging jake made us look vulnerable defensively uh mike says think it's actually livened up the tempo a fair bit he is the one that's quickly gets a lot of stick but i thought yesterday he did well although he should have scored a couple of the goals um we'll get on to Ince in the sec in a little bit with his second half chances um he did have a really good chance just before half time cam as well yasser spree with a defense split in ball um to find Ince, and it was a fantastic run from Ince, like getting in behind um the defense and maybe a, a tom Ince that's played more minutes lately maybe could have finished that yeah look it's not an easy chance he's still fairly far out and he's got a defender putting him under pressure but that's what you need from your midfielder you need sort of when your teammates have got the ball you need to know where to be you need to make a move for them too many times we see our midfielders when one of our players has got the ball they sort of stand around and they hover a little bit they may be you know moving a small circle around them but they they don't really make any runs they think the only way you can go is towards the ball what Ince does here is run away from the ball and he, he creates space. He, you know, he, he finds a lovely pocket there and and there's only, well, there's one man you'd want to pick you out really and it's Yasser and 
Yeah, brilliant ball from him. And I, I thought Yasser was a bit of a bright spark. I mean, there are a few times really frustrating, thought he could have shot and, and should have shot with the way things have been going for him lately. But I thought he, he was at his creative best and and that was just another chance of, of the many he created. So, yeah, I was really impressed with him and, and liked what Ince gave us when he came on. Yeah, I think he's one that can hold his head up high after yesterday's performance, Yasser Espria. I think the last six weeks has been phenomenal. I think creatively with his assists and obviously his goals he's chipped in lately as well. I think he's probably on his best form since he's been at Vicarage Road and he showed yesterday with that fantastic assist as well. Um, we'll move into the second half now. Obviously, went in 0-0 at half-time. I thought we came out the blocks pretty well second half. Much better start to the second half than what we did in the first half. Um, and we was actually pinning Huddersfield back a little bit more. We was actually passing it five yards and finding the yellow shirt where in the first half that wasn't happening. And then at 56 minutes, Watford got the breakthrough from Emmanuel Dennis. And I, I want to give a little bit of credit here to Matty Pollock. Um, he won the ball in the halfway line with a fantastic header, but it was nicely positioned out to the right-hand side to find Yasser Espria. And I thought it was a really good, smart header. Um, and then Yasser Espria dancing feet down the... the, the um, the byline and beating his man and cutting back and finding Emmanuel Dennis in the box. And it could have been easy for anyone to have a first time shot there. If they did, would have been blocked because the Huddersfield man was there. But Emmanuel Dennis with a smart little touch to get it out of his feet, to go round the defender and absolutely just putting his foot through it and finding the roof of a net. Really good team goal there from Watford. Joe, what did you make of that goal? Yeah, I thought it was a really impressive goal. Like you say, great from Pollock uh, to to actually win the ball and then get it out. Um, did well to get it out to uh, to Yasser. Yasser was brilliant. Obviously, I think um, it, it's uh, one thing to commend him on. I think he's actually starting to look stronger. Like there was uh, many times uh, earlier in the season where he looks a little bit lightweight, where he's getting shoved off the ball quite easily. But yesterday he showed great strength. Obviously, like I say, beat his man, put a good quick ball in the box. Great feet from Dennis um, to to take the ball out from under his feet and then just wallop it into the into the top corner. It was um, yeah, fantastic goal and um, yeah, very very impressive movement from Watford for a change. That was just um, like Mike. Mike's just popped up now. But that's Dennis bread and butter. Nice to see a potent striker in the box. Not like a certain Danish striker. Uh, we'll talk about him in a bit because Dennis didn't stay on the pitch much longer after that. Um, but Cam, what did you make of Dennis yesterday? And smart finish as well. What was your thoughts on his goal? Yeah, really good finish and well taken. And yeah, we know what Vakin Bayo and Maleta Rajevic would have done there. They would have smashed it into the defender. And yeah, at best we get a corner. But um, in terms of Dennis overall, we've talked a bit about where we think he might be best used. And I think the conclusion we come to is that he will be best out wide where we can get him on the ball quite a lot. But for the team, we need him up front. And look, I, I thought that sort of showed. I, I didn't think we got him involved nearly as much as you'd like to. Um, but when well, we he did, had a kick in that first half, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you could see that you know, un unlike a certain someone, he was buzzing around and he was putting the defenders under pressure, which is what you need. And yeah, I thought he did lead the line as well as he could really with, with what he was being given. And um, yeah, that that goal, it just shows the quality he's got that, that a lot of strikers in this league don't quite have. And 
yeah we, we're lucky to have him really but um obviously unfortunately as you're about to get on to um we might not have too much more of him yeah um a couple of minutes later after that Emmanuel Dennis went down holding his groin um Watford have said that they'll find out within 48 hours obviously 24 hours has passed so we should find out on Monday the extent of his groin injury hopefully it's not too serious but massive blow Joe to see Emmanuel Dennis go down there um because he, he I think if Emmanuel Dennis stays on the field what would win that game yesterday because the chances we created for Ryovic, Tom Ince, Dennis high in confidence, he, he would have stick at least one of those away and we we wouldn't have been on talking now or for two one defeat. Yeah, I think um I think the goal would have helped him massively. Um obviously giving that bit of confidence. Um it's it's a massive shame, isn't it? Um it's just our luck at the moment though, isn't it? Obviously bio Last uh, last home game against Leicester, obviously three minutes in, got went down injured and goes off, and we're obviously waiting for him to come back. And yeah, now Dennis, obviously a couple of minutes after scoring, injured, and hopefully I'm, I'm praying it's not going to be for too long because you know, like I say, I think he's going to be really valuable for us, especially after scoring yesterday. Hopefully, it's if if he's you know if it is just something that's going to keep him out for a game he comes back and he, he's got a spring in his step full of confidence and can keep that goal scoring form going to the to the end of the season hopefully let's hope so because we've only got one fully fit striker now cam um Mileta Rajevic is the last one standing i'm coming to you on the favorite subject we're not going to spend too much time on this because it's it's basically we, we could record this and redo it for next week and the week after that and the week after that um but i, I will say i he he did have a shocker yesterday and it i felt so awkward being in that stadium watching everyone laugh at him i just felt uncomfortable um it was it was really poor performance from Mileta Rajevic. i thought he was excellent to be honest can I, can i say that can i be honest i thought he was brilliant i thought when uh, when georgie put that cross in that clearance was just fantastic. I mean, nowhere near the goal in the end. And, and wow, what a brilliant defender we got on our hands here. So, <laughs> I told you last week that he's good at heading away yeah, balls in the Yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, he gave the crowd some good entertainment. Um, <laughs> was, You've thought about this all day, haven't you? Rookery was jeering him every time he went up for a header, honestly. And inevitably, when he lost, cheers. I mean, it, it was, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a, a reception for a player like that. He he was laughed at. The stand was laughing at him and <laughs> to miss two or three more chances. Yet Tommy Mooney, even on, on COCOM, slagging him off. If he was five foot eight, he'd be a postman. That says it all, doesn't it? I mean, I think Tommy Mooney knows what he's talking about when it comes to strikers. And <laughs> If he was five foot eight, he would probably be a postman or, or something of the like. So, yeah, look, I've said before, I feel a little bit robbed whenever Milet Arrivich is on the pitch for us because I, it makes me want to turn around and go home, to be honest. I, I just get no enjoyment out of seeing him up there. And he really cost us that game. After that, that headed clearance that he made, we, uh, you'll get onto this, so I'm spoiling it already. Uh, we immediately go down the other end and concede. So avoidable, really avoidable. And yeah, it's just, it's not going to be fun. I'm, 
I'm going to Millwall next week. Um, got to watch him up front. And to be honest, I'm, I'm really regretting that one. So, yeah. Millwall fans are going to have a field day next Saturday seeing him. Oh, they are. Line for Watford. <laughs> oh, yeah. don't, don't. You, I, I did think he came alive in the penalty box yesterday. His movement to get onto the head was good. His movement to get onto the other um, shot was good. It was just, we've said it all season, it's everything else. Um, but normally he can get out of it by sticking it in the back of the net. And yesterday he couldn't hit a barn door. And if I'm being totally honest, I don't think he would look out of plate if he did the Mr. Q halftime challenge, trying to get the ball in the centre spot um, with, with some of the people that have been doing that this season. So, well, maybe we'll see him doing that soon. Um, but, yeah, really good opportunity with that header that he ended up clearing out to the corner flag. And then um, I can just see Joe's shoulders moving up and down. I was trying to compose myself. I've just seen the shoulders are gone. Um, I was trying to think who he was playing then. Um, Huddersfield went up the other end and we didn't switch on from the throw-in. Um, both throw-ins pretty much they scored from and it was just poor defending no one um closing down the guy who was going to cross it into a box i thought ken semmer should have been stronger at that far post as well and danny ward was it was pretty easy for him to head that past um ben hamer um found ourselves 1-1 joe and it was well huddersfield probably deserved it but it was a better team overall yesterday yeah those subs uh that were made by them i think did they make it was it a double or triple sub um and danny ward came on with those players and that seemed to give them a bit of um a bit of confidence and they looked a bit lively didn't they when when those subs were made um but yeah I, I think you're right it was far too easy the ball went in the box it was an easy header um obviously the second second one was just as easy I know you talk about that in a minute but it, it both both goals defensive from a defensive point of view were awful yesterday and you know I, it's not too often you see Wesley Hoot lose his temper when a goal goes in, he usually just kind of, he, most players just a little bit down, but he proper threw his arms yesterday and had a proper strop yesterday when that, that header went into the back of the net. So he's clearly feeling very frustrated by things that are going on at the moment. Yeah, no, I don't blame him. Uh, feeling exactly the same on the sidelines. Um, but yeah, it's just a case of Watford not taking their chances yesterday because Ryovic, if he puts that in, Watford 2-0 up, Huddersfield probably would have struggled to turn that around, but we didn't and went up the other end and we was picking the ball out of the back of the net. And then Cam, just before Huddersfield got their second goal, again, if we took that chance with Tom Ince, where he ended up putting it over from a um, Ken Semmer cross, 2-1 Watford, pressures back on Huddersfield, would have been much more easier for Watford, but we couldn't hit the back of the net and it went up the other end. And again, like I said a couple of seconds ago, it was from a, another throw-in. We didn't switch on. There was no intensity in trying to close down their players. Ball across the, the box. And Danny Ward was there again to toe poke it past Matty Pollock and um, Ben Hamer. Just two frustrating goals to concede. Yeah, and, and this is really, really weak from Tom Ince here. Uh, I've given him a lot of credit. I thought he had a good game overall, but you've got to stop that cross you've got to stop it at all costs and somehow the cross is allowed to just sort of roll past everyone and and yeah there's obviously going to be someone unmarked at the near post because we don't do marking at this club um i felt for both goals we were we looked a little bit short-handed in the box and i had a little look for the first goal we had four defenders in the box uh including our makeshift left back ken simmer 
no midfielders. Drake Livermore was on the edge. Georgie Chakratadze was the furthest midfielder back. And um, whoever else was on, uh, Tom, Tom Ince wasn't to be seen for the first goal. So, yeah, they completely outnumbered us for that one. And it was more or less the same here. They just outnumber us and we can't pick everyone up. I think it's Matty Pollock is just wrong side of his man. Hoot's sort of been dragged away by his man. So, yeah, nice, easy goal for them. And, I mean, what a way to throw a game away. We had, obviously, that Tom Ince chance there. Uh, mm -hmm. Rijevic had another two or three between the two Huddersfield goals. And, yeah, I mean, if, if you take six points from Rotherham and Huddersfield, you don't talk about sacking your manager. You lose one of those. Yeah, it wasn't a good performance, but you lose one of those essentially because your players squander easy opportunities and now the manager might be going. So, yeah, look, I, I have a lot of sympathy for Val here. I, I didn't think that there's no way we should have lost that game with, with, with the chances we created. No, definitely not. I thought we created enough good opportunities to, to win the game yesterday. I think we created more opportunities in the game yesterday than we have in maybe the last month or so because um, we've struggled to get the ball into the box and actually have shots on target. But we had really good chances yesterday and it, it comes down to working the goalkeeper again and we don't do it enough. We have chances on goal, but they're going wide or just over and it, it's frustrating to see. And Mike's just said as well, Danny Ward's sixth, sixth goal in eight games against Watford. So it's the new Jamie Vardy slash David Nugent or Mo Salah or any, everyone else who plays against Watford. Um, but it did finish 2-1 to Huddersfield Town yesterday. Uh, they obviously came to Vicarage Road last season and won as well uh, when Daniel Batman lost his head. Um, so back-to-back -back away wins at Vicarage Road for Huddersfield. And we was maybe digesting... Um, the result, the performance, and then about seven o'clock last night, Talksport uh, announced that Watford was set. Well, Valerie Ishmael was on the brink of being sat as Watford head coach. Since then, nothing's been said. Uh, it's been quite quiet from Watford on Twitter today. Um, don't know if that suggests anything. I don't think you can look into things too much sometimes. I think when Watford have a poor result, it does tend to quieten down. Um, but yeah, nothing's been announced as of yet. And now uh, we're just going to talk about our thoughts on Valerie, um, Valerin, uh, Ismail, um, on do we think that he deserves to be sacked and all that. Um, so I'll come to Joe first. Where do you, where do you stand with, um, the talk of Val being sacked? Um, uh, firstly, do you think he deserves to be sacked? Um, yeah. Um, well, for, so from a personal point of view, no, I don't want him to be sacked. I, you know, I don't want us to this this merry-go-round needs to stop. We've said that that is something that we we all want someone just to stay in charge for a season. Um, so, for in in that respect, I don't want it to happen. However, as I pointed out on Twitter yesterday, and in looking into you know results and how Watford have been doing, when you look at the stats and look at how well we've actually done. There are con there, there, there's some major concerns. You know, you take away the five wins against the, the, the bottom three clubs. Obviously, we got 16 out of 18 points against those teams in, in the bottom three, which is a great return because usually what we struggle against those sort of sides down the bottom, and we usually do better against teams around us and towards the top. So it's great that we've actually nearly picked up maximum points. But when you take away those five wins away, and it leaves us with six wins, 
That's six wins in 28 games around teams around us um, outside the relegation zone and obviously in the top top half of the table. I think that's actually really poor. I actually don't think that's very good in, in my book. And obviously, from a home perspective, obviously, we've only won the, the, the five games, obviously, three being the, the bottom three. And then we've beaten Birmingham, who are near the bottom. We've beaten Norwich, which we came back and, and just won 3-2. So when you look at the other teams that we played at home, like your Plymouths and your Middlesbrough, your Stoke, your Bristol Cities, you know, you've got to be beating those teams if you want to. We, we didn't say we were going to be going up and winning the league or being in the top two or we were guaranteed top six. But you expect a team against those two sides to be doing better, at least playing better. And in the games, in the, in the manner of games, like Cardiff and, and uh, Bristol City um, and, and Middlesbrough, you know, they were just they were poor. You know, poor performances. It's not great. The, the football hasn't been amazing. Um, listen, I get from a, a squad perspective, he's got a thin squad. He hasn't probably got... Uh, he, he, he probably could do with two or three more better players in the side to probably help enhance the quality of the side. But overall... If he was sacked, I can see why he's been sacked. Potentially, if they're going to go back and look over the whole of the season, I just don't. You you can't. I wouldn't base it on these last seven home games or last ten games overall or whatever it is that people are, are, are um, grilling him over. I think you've got to take it over the course of the season. If you look over the course of the season, I think overall it hasn't been good enough, in my opinion. And same question to you, Cam. Do you think Bell deserves to, to be sacked? Where do you stand with all of this? He absolutely doesn't deserve to be sacked. I saw a tweet earlier that sums it up perfectly, really. I, I forget who tweeted it. but Big you, No, no, no. If you, if you happen to be listening, whoever tweeted it, well done, because um, brilliant tweet. Um, it was basically, we were possibly just we were hoping to survive this season we weren't expecting anything at all we some were expecting relegation and a, a lot were expecting relegation because this is a small squad but we've just now sort of last few weeks realized that we're not going to get playoffs is that not a big step up from where we thought we'd be and look i think he's got more but he's made the squad more than the sum of its parts that that is without a doubt the truth to me and yeah I, I think he's done a, a really good job overall he's got his deficiencies I mean we've gone over a lot of them on this pod today there's um lots of flaws with him I think tactically he's not quite there um but does he deserve to be sacked no do I want him to be sacked absolutely not the only thing we got going for us this season is we've kept a manager because the rebuild has been thrown out the window completely we kept the manager until February. I mean, it's unheard of for Watford, really. And and yeah, we we might as well carry on because no one's going to come in and, and do better, really. Uh, just a bit of hindsight, though. I mean, the Valerian Ishmael appointment, that is a typical Pozzo appointment. At the time, we were maybe optimistic about it because we had Ben Manga and we were looking forward to this rebuild. But make no mistake, Valerian Ishmael coming in, that is a typical Pozzo appointment, a sort of championship manager who's had some success but hasn't really done it for the last few years and 
and we brought him in to, to play this possession-based style of football. It, it's just baffling if you look at it with hindsight. Why did we bring him in to play this way when when his football is um it's direct, it's high intensity, it's it's you know, kick the ball long and, and force them to kick it back to you and try and make chances out of pure chaos. So yeah, really really is a sort of baffling appointment if you look back at it. But he's done a good job considering he's had to adapt and I've seen a lot of people say he can't adapt. He has adapted and yeah, I I think he's earned every right he earned every right to be backed over January with with our sort of festive period form. He's earned every right to, you know, get another chance to, to turn around this run of form. And sadly, he's working with nothing. And he's working for a man who just has the shortest temper going. I mean, he's like a child, Gino. He just, he cannot wait, can he? And he's got no patience whatsoever. So, yeah, see, see you later, another manager that's actually done a decent job working with scraps. And, yeah, just, just really, really boils my blood. Can I... Can I just point one other thing out? Sorry, as well. It's just, I, I think as well that the Gino and Scott and the, whoever else has obviously been in that meeting yesterday after the game. They're probably looking at the table and looking at the fact that we've gone now nine points uh, within nine points of the the drop, and obviously Millwall have won yesterday it's away at Southampton. Huddersfield have obviously beaten us. QPR have obviously won as well yesterday. Sheffield Wednesday won as well. The teams at the bottom are starting to get a bit of momentum and picking up results. Um, obviously, we've got Millwall next week. If Millwall beat us, that's another game where potentially we're being dragged closer to the drop. And I think what they're probably thinking, and this is my only reasoning behind it, is potentially is that they're probably thinking these guys have got new managers. They're getting a bit of a bounce. Let's get a manager in. So we can have that same same effect and hopefully beat us from the drop because obviously with, with the games we've got coming up, I know we've got, uh, uh, off the top of my head, we've got uh, Millwall, then we've got obviously Swansea at home and Coventry at home. See, Swansea had a good win yesterday. Coventry, you never know who's going to turn up. They're, you know, they're on in the playoffs and, and playing well. Um, and then Birmingham. But then after that, obviously, we start a horrific run where we've got, I think we've got, all the teams that are in the top nine leading up to the end of the season. And and the way we're playing at the moment, you know, we're going to get mullered if 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 Val potentially stays and doesn't figure out what his team is, who he's going to be playing and, you know, what his starting 11 is. So I can see potentially why it's, why it's happening. Not that I want it to happen, but there is a reason as to why I think. What I don't get about it all is, what's the point in sacking Val? Um, I, I don't think we're, we're going to get sucked into a relegation battle. I don't think we're good enough to get into a playoff. So why make a managerial change if you're just going to be mid-table anyway? That, that, uh, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, but then again, what's happened in the last four months of Watford is we've lost our technical director, we've lost our sporting director, we've lost our head of scouting, and now, obviously, both three have gone. Who else is left to get rid of? Oh, it must be the, the head coach in Val, but it just all doesn't make sense. And I, I don't want Val to be sat. I said this last week. I was actually looking forward to having a manager for the whole season. Maybe I jinxed that by saying that out loud. Um, but obviously, Gino, like Cam says, he acts like a child at times and he just gets itchy and... 
twitching and he, he feels like he has to make changes. But I, I, I look at this and I'm like, I don't get it. We're, we're not, if in, even if we make a managerial change, we're not going to get into the playoffs. There's so many teams above us that are much better than Watford. And we're not going to do a managerial change to try and stay in the division because I, I believe Val will keep us up. And Mike had made a really good point here um, a couple of moments ago. I'm just going to try and find it now, Mike, and I'll read it out. Um, one second. Sorry, technical issues and all that. Um, won't even go up. One second. Here it is. That little run we had that we went on probably didn't help set the reasonable expectations. All the talk of playoffs didn't help and maybe changed our vision on what we wanted that season. And I think Mike's spot on with that. Like, obviously, confidence and everyone gets on board after a few wins and then you believe a little bit more. One point outside the playoffs, we can do this one win and we're back in there if the team above drop points. And maybe we we overexpected at that point. And maybe Gino and everyone was thinking, okay, well, we were one point off the playoffs, so we should be a, a playoff contender team. But if we just reset like we did at the start of the season, we all would have taken mid-table. We're mid-table at the moment. So in my eyes, Val's done a brilliant job. 20-odd players went out in the season. He, he had to reset the whole culture of the football club, bringing back the discipline that has, has been non-existent in the last three, four seasons. I just don't get why they would make this change. Do you, does any of this make sense to you, Cam? No, not at all. And look, I think we're the way we're being run, and I hate to say it because we have had good years, but the way we're being run, it's we're only heading one way, and and that's downwards. We're not going to get relegated this season uh, unless whoever the new manager is does a really horrible job. But we shouldn't get relegated this season. But next season, I don't see why why we won't be right down there. I mean, we're going to keep chopping and changing managers. We're not going to recruit what the squad needs. And we are going to lose the likes of Yasser, Espria, Ishmael, Kone, possibly Ryan Andrews. Would Wes Hoot want to stay? It's, um, it's really, really ambiguous times for Watford, I think. And I'm not going to say we're, we're like a Reading, a Sheffield Wednesday, a Derby, but why aren't we going to be like them in future with the way we're pissing money up the wall, not investing in the club at all, just just losing money on, on managers? And it's there's no no logic to it at all. I mean, surely by now Gino Pozzo can look at himself and say, maybe I'm getting this wrong. But no, I mean, we've been saying that for years. Surely he's figured it out by now, but he just never seems to. And he's chasing his own tail really is even we are looting town twitter yes yeah yeah. they can see i found myself agreeing with we are looting town on twitter today and i mean that's just unheard of that's ridiculous and yeah they pointed out that surely they know it's not the manager's fault a lot of people seem to think it is the manager's fault for some reason Uh, i think a lot of people just haven't quite learned but I hope this might be the lesson we need because, wow, I don't know how you can be so stuck up your own ass to, to not think that you're getting it wrong. And I don't see what the end goal is here because he he's made it very clear that we're aiming for playoffs. So why don't you fix the one thing that isn't getting us there? And, and that's you, Mr. Pozzo. Sort it out because getting through all these managers is getting us absolutely nowhere. And 
and surely he knows it. It's just absurd at this point that you can do the same thing over and over and and expect anything to change. It's it's just mad to me. Yeah, um, we could have we could have um, Pep Guardiola in charge. We we could have Jurgen Klopp in charge. They would never have success at Watford under Gino Pozzo because he is the problem of this football club. And we all know it. Even our local rivals know it. And it's becoming unbearable. Um, the moment I heard the news of Val being on the brink of sacking yesterday, I, I put in a group, I said, I'm just so dumb. I, I feel mentally drained and so disinterested. All right, we'll sack another manager. We'll go again. Uh, hire someone for three, six months and get rid of him again. It's just a certain vicious circle and it will never end until Gino Pozzo sells up and I know there's people who are in favour of Gino still and that's totally fair because everyone's opinions matters and we respect all opinions here um, and everyone says be careful what you wish for and and I also get that as well because me and Mike was talking to a Chesterfield fan for the FA Cup preview and they, they had a bad owner and they ended up going down to the National League and nearly got relegated to the National North. Um, so I, I do understand that as well. I think whilst Gino Pozzo is here, he'll keep funding the club. But also whilst he's still here, I think there's a massive risk of us getting relegated down to League One. Um, so it, it, it's a massive, massive next 12 months, I think, for Watford under Gino Pozzo. Does investment come in to maybe help us move away from Gino. It has gone a lot quiet lately with the US investment talk. I know I saw a few rumours and Joe saw the same a couple of weeks ago where they possibly weren't interested anymore. But look, anyone on Twitter now thinks they're in the know and comes up with a lot of crap half the time. And I think we've seen that in the last 24 hours by saying that people were coming in to take over from Watford job and all that. But I think people are just trying to please each other by saying, oh, I'm in the know. The only people who are in the know in my eyes are Andrew French and Adam Leventhal. So until I see anything from them, I'm not going to believe what Tom, Dick and Harry's going to say down in the bunker. Um, so I think we should just really leave it to the sources at the moment because, yes, it maybe got linked to talk sport, but I'm very surprised there hasn't been any announcement from Watford since. Um, they might be trying to line up a replacement at the same time so they get rid of Val and then five minutes later they've got an appointment. Look, we've seen Watford do that before. Maybe they don't want to go down the line of sacking a manager and then not having a manager in place. So they'll probably keep Val going, string them along and then they'll make a decision maybe Tuesday, Wednesday once they've actually agreed a new head coach to come in during the life. So I think we, we might have to strap ourselves in because um, it might take a while, but I just think the pressure is just going to keep on building for Val now as well. And it's such an unfortunate situation. If he doesn't get sacked this week and then we have a very poor performance away at Millwall, I think fans, because well, our fan base is so reactionary, they'll jump onto Val and they'll say, I want Val out. When really, this has all came from the, the leaked um, rumours of him being on the brink of a sack. And then if we have a bad performance at Millwall, we'll all want him out. But I just don't think it's the right way to move for Watford Football Club. Um, before I wrap it up, I'll, I'll throw it back over to, to both of you. Do you feel like there's anything else you want to add on to the topic of Valcam? I feel like any manager is doomed. And I was thinking you'd probably ask um, who we want as the next manager. But I don't think there's any point in answering that because 
like you said, it could be Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. They will do nothing here. They won't be backed at all. And yeah, look, our budgets are shrinking by the year. Parachute payments run out soon. Revenue's going down. Everything's going down. And we have to be smart to, to compete. I I said in, in a group chat earlier, I think there's, you could argue there's 22, maybe even 23 smarter teams than us in this league. And the only thing we've got over them is that we've already got some Premier League players and, and we've had Premier League money. Once that all sort of fades away, what are we? We're we're just a championship team and, and we've got to be smart. But do you really believe that we can be smart with, with these people in charge? I don't think so. And that really worries me, to be honest, because if we are sent down to League One, we are going to have a, a ridiculous rebuild job on our hands. And, and we know that these guys don't do rebuilds. So, look, I don't think we'd just be relegated to League One in the next few years. I think we'd be down there for a very long time until Gino books his ideas up because, yeah, it is getting ridiculous. And I feel really sorry for Val and I, I hope he goes somewhere else. I think he'd be a good pickup for maybe a bottom half championship team. And I hope he goes somewhere and, and smashes it like, like Rob's done, really. And that's just the biggest kick up the arse you could get. Don't sack your, your manager based on very little. And yet we don't learn. So... Yeah, look, I think I've said all there is to stay on it, really. It's just frustrating. And, and I think Vicarage Road's become a, a very difficult place to, to come to as a supporter. It's it's very it's hostile. It, yeah, it's very hostile from the off. It, it's, there's a lot of booing and uh, just not nice football. I mean, our home records over the last few years have been appalling, so... Yeah, it's it's not a fun time to support Watford, and I can't picture it getting any better, to be honest. Yeah, and I agree with you as well by saying that if we went down to League One, it would take an awful lot of time to get back out of it. Look at the, the big teams down there. Cholton, Bolton, Portsmouth, been down there for a number of years struggling to get back out of it. I know Portsmouth are having a decent season this year, and they might come out, but and Bolton as well. But how many years have they been in that division? Bolton could get... end up in League Two soon, so it could be us. Yeah. It could be. You never know. Um, Joe, final word on Val and the situation? Uh, not really much to say. Just echoing what Cam said and that I don't want him to go. I really hope he does stay and I re really hope that, um, yeah, Gino realises <laughs> that he's the problem and, and he, um, he he sells up and leaves. Um, you know, there's one thing I will say. I know people have got their opinions and stuff and, and, and I do see a lot of stuff still knocking around on Facebook and Twitter and stuff in favour of Gino. But it's all these, I, I just can't get on board with the whole, um, uh, what's the word, um, perspective, you know, pers putting things into perspective. You know, look where we were before they came, look where we've we've got to, where we are now. You know, the players we've had come in and go and the stadium and, you know, we've got to a cup final, promotions all those years in the Premier League. You know, yeah, it's great, but it... For me, if we end up in League One, it's all going to mean nothing. They may as well have not come in for me, because, like you say, we're going to we'll end up having a few years down in League One. You've seen teams, obviously. You, you mentioned some others like uh, like Derby, Barnsley. You're a bit of a yo-yo team, go up and down and stuff and struggle. You know, there's a lot of big teams down there in that in in um, in uh, 
in League One. Obviously, Ipswich are doing well now. They were down there for a few years as well. So it is going to be really, really hard for us if we do end up in League One. So, yeah, let's, let's just hope it doesn't get to that. And I, I just pray that the reason that an announcement hasn't been made is because maybe they've decided to just that maybe they realised that, yes, all right, a, a, uh, a meeting was needed maybe to discuss things. Maybe he was involved in that and it was a structural meeting. You know, the, there could be a number of different reasons as to why a meeting was called and things have gone on. So let's just pray that Val's, they stick with Val. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just hope that Gino is the one that goes, not Val. Yeah, and uh, John Parslow um, pops up with a very good comment as well. Um, I sent that for him with Electro Gino um, back in the summer at London Training Training Ground. He said, um, Ben, you sat next to me when I asked Gino if it was insanity to sack coaches in the way he did. He was clear and he, he said he would do if he thinks he needed to make the change. Um, you can't fight it, it's done. Because whenever Gino um, makes his mind up, basically, he just goes with it and it, it's just as a fan base to see um, but we'll, we'll probably wrap it all up there thank you everyone for watching tonight and getting involved in the comments loads of comments lots of people watching tonight as well so i do really appreciate it uh, before we head off if you want to hit that like button and subscribe button as well to help us continue to grow it'd be much appreciated and of course we'll be all over this foul news if anything does develop of it during the week i imagine we'll probably do a um, announcement in the evening um where we maybe digest who maybe we would like to come in um like i said at the start of the, the um, episode we was having a joke where Mike actually, well I say a joke Mike Duffy actually wants Roy Keenan um, but I think he needs to give his head, head a wobble um, I think Cam said Paul Lintz as well um, I said Roy Cropper would probably be more interesting than Roy Hodgson um, but we'll be back during the week for a preview of the Millwall game as well uh, which is Wednesday evening um, but of course if anything happens with Val we'll be back to talk about that as well um, but yeah until then um, take care, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Oh, come on, you ones. Sports Social Podcast Network.